What do Electronic Arts, FanDuel, and Zynga have in common? It is Orlando's Mike Teremikin, and he has started a new startup called Hip Sports. We talked to him a little bit about his career and what it was like to sell the company. Hi, everybody. Uh, once again, this is Marco Santana, and this is Starting Up Florida. Uh, we take a look at startups uh, in the state of Florida, which is why you put Florida in the name. So <laughs> I'm sitting here with Mike Teremikin, and here once again is Catalyst, which is a co-working in downtown Orlando. They do not sponsor this, but I like to give out some, 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 uh, some props, if you will, to people who are helping out. But Mike, uh, you are with, now I was just informed, it's Hype Sports, no yep. longer Hip Sports. Yep. Um, and give us a quick like, elevator pitch. Like, what is Hype Sports? Um, we are essentially a mobile broadcast channel mm -hmm. for, for games. Uh, and when I say broadcast, I mean it's more like interactive broadcasting is, okay. is, is probably the better description of what we do. That is to say that we um, we run live game shows mm -hmm. within our app multiple times throughout the day where people can um, sign in and play, um, you know, very quick 10 to 15 minute games. Right. And if you can make it to the end, you split a cash prize. And that's been something that's kind of been picking up. I know there's been a couple mm -hmm. other companies that are out there that are doing it. And, yeah, and, I mean, yeah. most notably HQ Trivia kind right, of right. certainly pioneered the format. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, we learned a lot. Um, they, they actually did a lot of things, you know, incredibly well and mm -hmm. kind of uncovered a certain, you know, user behavior and engagement kind of mechanism that I think you know, uh, a lot of people in gaming didn't realize was there. Mm -hmm. um, I think what we're doing in that space is two things. One is we're focusing on sports, mm -hmm. um, kind of creating a competition <clears throat> for people who like competition. Right, so, right, so right. So that, that's that certainly works well. And then the other thing is kind of going beyond just trivia and really saying right. this whole idea of how do we create um, a variety of games for a variety of Players. Well, I'm a sports fan. I like I like playing uh, or I like just messing around with my brother and doing sports trivia and all that kind of stuff. Or you go you go to the bar. There's the yep. like, sports trivia things. I mean, it seems like there are just uh, so many, um, especially now. There's trivia nights everywhere. Mm -hmm. What do you think it is about like trivia? What no? What drew you to this? Yeah. Number two, what do you think it is about trivia that keeps people just coming back? I think it's just incredibly approachable. Mm -hmm. I think everybody knows. Things, right, <laughs> you right, know, right. and so this whole notion of like I love um, when I'm at a, at a trivia show, yeah. a trivia, and it's a general trivia, and there's actually a topic I know something about, which is not a lot <laughs> yeah. anyway, and I can contribute and I feel great. Well, about you know, it. you know, you know what's funny about it? Um, this is kind of getting real into the the weeds, of maybe a little bit. Yeah. Is that um, trivia is an incredibly social game, right? When you do it with a lot of people, mm -hmm. um, you know, Jeopardy. When you're standing on stage and you're the one person, you just need to know a lot. That's right. one thing. Or game show, like a, like a like a you know. Or in your living show. room watching Jeopardy. Yeah, yeah. something yeah. like that. But I think that the thing that that um, all the trivia apps, all the the trivia nights and bars, what they what they've demonstrated is that it's an trivia is an incredibly um, strong social game right. you get into groups of people and then everybody you know somebody in the group is bound to know something right, about right. what the topic is and bars makes yeah. a bank on that too well the, right and, and, and that's yeah. what it does is it actually gets people kind of collaborating in right. the, the, the simplest way you don't need to understand the rules you don't need mm -hmm. to know like which unit you're controlling Just or sit, any sit down and, grab a drink yeah and someone's going to ask you yeah, who yeah. won the academy award in this right. year for this thing and someone in your group you know has to figure it out and so i think they're very um they're very social mm -hmm. in their very nature, and then you were kind of asking like, what draws people to it? I think it's simple. Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's simple rules. 
that you could play in a group of people, right. and that's just, and then you could have a beer in both hands right. while you're playing. <laughs> right, so. right, right. How do you, um, you know, when you do uh, jump into something like that, where there is a, a, a fervor for it, like, mm -hmm. like, a, um, but as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, obviously you look for opportunity, right? Like when when you see that, uh, what 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 clicks for you to say, okay, we can do this, let, let, or let's do this and see what happens. Well, I mean, the first thing is, you know, you try to identify when somebody has figured something out mm -hmm. so that you can leverage. The there. Right, you know, right, right. The, 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 you don't you know, necessarily have to be first, but you're yeah. the best. Well, I mean, you, you could leverage their insight. And yeah. hopefully it's something that somebody recently figured out, not like, you know, 100 <laughs> years ago, and right, there's right. been industries built around it already. Like if you try a speaking spot right now, you're not going to... Yeah, it's, probably, it's, it's been done. <laughs> um, but, I, but I do think, um, you know, like in that category, the thing for us was like, we really realized that um, the hardest thing about mobile products right now is just user acquisition mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. really hard to kind of go out and explain to people why your product is or why your app is better than everybody else's and the means with which you have to do it are you know ad platforms facebook apple google I and mean, there's a lot of gatekeepers that mm -hmm. basically say hey look if you want access to our you know to our users to to sell your product you're going to have to compete and bid for it. Right. I think what um, what some trivia apps realized, or I'll call them like game show apps, yeah. realized was um, if you just gave the money away, people would just come to try to win it. And right. what we've seen is there's a very strong ratio of roughly, you know, X amount of dollars that you prize out, you get, you know, Y amount of users <laughs> that come to want to compete for it. And so now rather than you having to go through this intermediary of, um, you know, of an ad of an ad platform like Facebook or, or, or Apple or Google, um, really what you have to do is you, have to, you just have to make people aware of the fact that you're giving away money. Right. And, right. It, you know, I will tell you this, it is a very, very easy pitch <laughs> to tell somebody, um, hey, 8.30, you know, download our app at 8.30, come play for 15 minutes, and if you can answer 12 questions, you'll win money. That's it. That's kind of, that's our pitch to our users. Um, and then the key is, well, how do you get, you know, how do you make sure that, um, that message gets to as wide a number of people as yeah, possible, right. but you don't really have to start filtering or anything because this whole idea of like, hey, if you can answer 12 questions, you'll win money, it's kind of universally appealing. Um, I, so first thing was to really identify that that is a means of user acquisition that mm -hmm. really has not been too heavily, you know, kind of, kind of used over the last, mm -hmm. you know, whatever years of, um, you know, of just kind of digital marketing. And then two is, well, there's obviously a clear leader in that space. Right. There's a lot of apps that have come out before, and they've got you know, hundreds of thousands and millions of, of, right. of people competing. So now you have to do something that's going to help you leverage what they've done, but then also differentiate. Make it different. Yeah, that, differentiate. Yeah. And I always, I always believe it's like first you draft, then you slingshot. So right. that's, right. My, that's all I know about NASCAR, and I think I've heard <laughs> it from Talladega Nights, which right. is like, or maybe Days of Thunder, I don't know, one of those. Right. But, the whole, but the whole idea is, you know, learn... Um, understand the space from someone who's successful in it mm -hmm. just by kind of trying to emulate and watch them and then try to come up with a differentiating um, prospect or, or well, that's offer. kind of the sports section of yours well for us know. it's more going beyond trivia so yeah. we've got you know right now we run six contests a day uh, most run about two mm -hmm. and and of our six we've got two trivia games we have two um, arcade basketball games we have two arcade football games yeah. and so the idea is really is, is kind of how do you do um you know, you have, you have trivia games and you also have action games. So you're appealing kind of trivia players right. and then to right. gamers. The beauty of doing um, some of the action games is really they're just skill-based. And so they appeal to a completely different kind of, like, um, you know, 
part of your brain, if you will. Well, I mean, that, that's that, that's the traditional gamer, right? Is the mm-hmm. guys doing that kind of thing? I mean, and, and like, um, how do you? Uh, I mean, do you monetize that right now? Are you in a, in a mode right now where you're monetizing that and making money off of it? Yeah, I mean, we're we're starting to. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think you know. So so our app, when you download it. Um, Free download. Of course. Yeah. Of course free. And HIP is spelled, or HYPE is spelled right. H-Y-P. Right. Sports. Um, <laughs> I, I think what, what you'll see is it's really meant to be kind of like a, an engagement platform for all sports fans. So right. we offer kind of like three types of games right now. We offer um, daily trivia mm-hmm. We for, for cash prizes. We offer um, daily arcade games for cash prizes. Um, and then we also offer... Uh, you know, season-long and year-round fantasy sports right. as well, which is more of a collection-based fantasy game where you right. build up your team over time instead of drafting everybody. So the fantasy side of our business has actually been around the longest, and that's the one where we do monetize pretty mm-hmm. effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with the um, trivia and the arcade games, with the cash prizes, that's something that we're just kind of getting off the ground well, That's now. another way of expanding your Well, what, it, what it's turned out to be is an incredible growth engine. It really mm-hmm. helps bring in... Um, <coughs> you know, a wide variety of players. And right now we're finding a very large percentage of the sports fans who know trivia right. also play fantasy sports. <laughs> so it's worked, it's worked out really well for us. And we've sort of taken this approach of like, look, if you want to play trivia, if you want to play action, if you want to play fantasy, right. there's something within our app. And then it's all interrelated because there's, I'll get a little, you know, game geeky yeah, here. Sure. Is, there's kind of like I love this, game geeky. There's, there's this shared currency <laughs> right. that works in all of them. So if you want to get better players for your fantasy team, you can answer trivia questions and not only win cash prizes, but also win what we call hype cash, which mm-hmm. helps you buy stuff anywhere. Likewise, if your fantasy team does well, you can buy extra lives that helps you win more money in trivia. And it's this whole ecosystem approach. Just so you know, I'm going to keep calling it hip sports. Though. That's fine. <laughs> I, I am too for a while. This is kind of like, you know, it's kind of like when the when it's January 1st and you still say the right. end of the year. Right. Like right. Six, right. You know, for Jan- like I'm still doing that in March. So yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like about six to eight weeks before right. you realize what year it is. So when, when um, you, uh, you know, what fascinates me about you uh, specifically, and I, I, one of the things I love about uh, startups and, and, and just in general um, and this, I'm not breaking new ground here saying that it's about the entrepreneur, right? It's about mm-hmm. the person who's running the business. I think a lot of people, uh, even the people that I've, I've spoken with so far in this show, has been, it's been a lot of uh, very driven people. And mm-hmm. they've, 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 they started late in life. But you, however, this is not your first rodeo, as no. we used to say back in the 90s. No, but, uh, it, but it's my first intentional rodeo. Intentional, my, the, right, first, right. the first one was, was like I was, uh, I had an accidental startup. Right, <laughs> so, right, right. But accidental startup that yeah. third is pretty pretty damn good. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, so right after college, um, you know, I started a company doing um, television graphics in New York, mm-hmm. which basically was was um, was I was a independent contractor, and I you know had to incorporate. Right, <laughs> so right, right. That's how that company you, got you, started. You got enough business. Yeah, you're like, oh, yeah. Shit. But then when I had so much work that I couldn't do it all myself, I recruited a friend of mine, and then another friend. Where was college, by the way? Before we go, the uh, University of Buffalo. Okay. Yeah. Um, UB. Um, and uh, anyway, so so the point was, you know, we we were kind of doing what we liked to do right after college. Thinking mm-hmm. we'll just do this until we fail at it, and then we'll go get real jobs. And, <laughs> and we'll say at least we took a shot. And there are people out there who are going to hear that and be like, "Man, that guy." <laughs> <laughs> well, what ended up happening is twelve years later, we still hadn't failed. Right, so, <laughs> right, right. And but uh, what was it? Because there were some specific games like that you were in the game space, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah. So we we went from TV graphics to video games, right. like kind of as a. You know, because again, this is what you do when you sort of start your own company without any direction. Is you right. just do things Keep that are doing things. See what you do things that appeal to you. You're right. like, oh, you know, it's cool video games. Let's right. see if we can do that. 
Um, and you know, I would say it was the nineties. It was right. a different time. Um, <laughs> so the, uh, so, you know, we, we kind of evolved from an effects company to a, uh, to a game developer. Mm-hmm. Um, we had done a couple of, um, you know, I would say cult classics to be right. very, very kind to, right, to right. ourselves, but we did, you know, sports games that were more like closer to happy Gilmore than, you know, <laughs> right. than, than anything else or Caddyshack. Um, like it was outlaw, right? It was outlaw, outlaw, golf, it was outlaw yeah. golf and outlaw volleyball. Yeah. And I mean, people from my era will, will, will recognize those names yeah. immediately. Yeah. yeah, it's all the games that like I couldn't like really with a straight face like let my kids play. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. A little irreverent, a little bit. Yeah. Our yeah. biggest hit was a game where the deer hunted people, <laughs> and it was called Deer Avenger. And right. It was it was basically just just a lot of you know funny kind of. You know, just just jokes. And these were released on like major major platforms. Uh, so Outlaw was Xbox, PlayStation. Yeah. Deer Avenger was just PC, but that's yeah. but um, it sold really well at Walmart. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we sold like close to you know we sold millions of units. Did you sell, were you like sold that sell that director? Was it the company that was? Uh... So that that's the interesting part is you know when we started our first company, most of our game deals were publishing deals mm-hmm. where we mm-hmm. would um, you know fund the games with a partner who would own a piece of it, and then we would, um, you know, retain, like, a royalty on anything that ever happens, right. blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, so we did that for about 12 years, and then um, eventually Electronic Arts kind of came to us and said, hey, you know, your game's pretty cool, and mm-hmm. we want to buy you, and, and we were like, okay. Um, <laughs> and if, and I, if I'm correct, if I remember correct, uh, and I apologize if I'm wrong, but that's what brought you to Orlando, right? That's what brought us here, yeah. Okay. So there's, like, two stipulations. Well, yeah. actually, there's only one. You have to move to Orlando. Right. And, um, and a bunch of us, we were about 60 people in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and, like, all, like, native New Yorkers, right. you know, New Jersey was, like, a suburb. And, a um, sitcom, New Jersey takes over Orlando. What's that? That's like a sitcom, or New Jersey takes uh, well, over Orlando. Well, I mean, kind of, you know, it's like, we, we have to all sit down and be like, look, everybody wants to get bought by EA, but right. we have to move to Orlando. And we were like, <laughs> yeah. Right. So I swore to my wife, well, you know, the, the deal was we have to live here for a year. And that was, that was the deal. And uh, I long, told my wife, two years max. I figured, how long ago was that? That was 2005. <laughs> yeah, so we're yeah. About 13 years. Yeah, it's funny. I tell people the only thing harder than deciding to move to Florida is deciding to move out. Right, right. Because yeah. <laughs> like, where, well, where do you go? You right. know, it's like you kind of get used to like a completely different I'm lifestyle. From, I'm from Chicago, man. Yeah. And so like this is, this is just a different life. So sure. yeah, so that was it. So we kind of, you know, said let's, let's go learn. And mm. then, you know, live in a new city. I've been in New York my whole life. And then so, but the, the kind of the entrepreneurial part of that piece was that, um, you know, when we sold the company, mm-hmm. it kind of, like, a light went on and said, oh, wow, you can sell these things. Right, like, right. Like, I always thought, you know, you're, like, you, where you work is just, you know, a job. Right. And even when you start your own company, if you don't kind of think about where is this going, it really just turns into a job where you have to, like, do a whole bunch of crap you don't want mm-hmm. to. Right. Um, and well, walk me through. I'm sorry. I don't mean, I don't mean to okay. shut up. Like, back up a little bit. Walk me through. Um, just, you know, you guys are, uh, you know, obviously you're a small company mm-hmm. that grows to about 60, you said, right? The, the, very intimate, I imagine, a lot of friendships and all that kind of stuff. How do you navigate those friendships when there is a prospect of, you know, this big company saying, we like what you're doing, we'd like you to come down here? How do you navigate those friendships? Um, you know, was it tough and, or was it easy? I mean, what do you think? Yeah, it was, it was actually, I think, fine. I think after yeah. 12 years, you figure, yeah. you figure, you know, everything settles. I always tell people, it's like, you know, when you work with your friends, you kind of know what you hate about them already. You know? <laughs> right. that's, that's the right. hard thing about really kind of getting together with, with a new organization, new people. Everybody always walks in there like, well, I know what I like about you because I can look at your resume, I can right. look at your experience. But when you work with friends, you actually know what you hate about them and then you're okay with it. 
And so now, like, the tensions actually become a little mm-hmm. bit easier to get through because you kind of understand. So that process was a little bit easier because Yeah, I think so. Because yeah. it wasn't, you know, I'll say we were well past the honeymoon period yeah. by the time we... Did, they, did anyone stay? All of them. Yeah, we're all still here. Oh, no, did anyone stay in New Jersey when you came down? Oh, um, yeah, you... probably, like, out of 60, I think um, about 10 or so. Just didn't want, just didn't. Yeah, yeah. a couple so of that's them a big moved, commitment. A yeah. couple of them moved down and uh, went back, like, yeah. pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's they're, that's they're a commitment. Example. I think so, but I think, you know, it was, it was, like, our company at the time was essentially a lot of people that were, like, between the age of 25 and 30. Right, And right. so the idea of going to work at EA and living in a new city was, like, okay, that's I, cool, I, right? You just have to cancel your lease, right? Everybody oh, was oh like, you, mean the, month, you, mean the, yeah. you mean the company that builds Madden? Yeah, sure, why not, right? Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. I mean, that, that was, I mean, it's funny. I mean, there's always that notion of, like, oh, you're going to go work for a big company. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, you know, something about indie game studios that we, there's a bit of bravado to it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm here to tell you, it's like, you know, the steady paycheck and all the benefits <laughs> offsets that. Well, I, I, I would argue, at, or, or not argue, but I, I, would, I would say that, I would imagine, and I'm not a game developer or anything like that, but I would imagine... Um, it's one of those things where you know, uh, you know, you, you, you buy local. You know, you, and you are all about the indie stuff, and that's great. Um, other than there are a few out, few uh, another few uh, bloggers out there who are very, very have, have carved out a nice niche as an ind- independent developer or an mm-hmm. independent game reviewer. But that's because no one's offered them a lot of money, or no one, not, not a lot of money, but no one's offered them yeah. like, hey, come work for you know Motorola or whatever, whatever yeah. industry you're in. Because um, I think the bravado is there, and I, I believe a lot, some of them are legitimate, yeah. but that's because none of them have seen, like, maybe you can do this. Yeah, kind of. I, I, I think <clears throat> what it made me realize is that it's, you know, it's funny. So when we were, when we had our own game studio and um, we would get, like, a bad review, mm-hmm. we would be like, um, well, yeah, we have to work harder. I mean, look at, like, you know, EA and Activision. Everybody loves their stuff right. because they're so, you know, because they're, you know, they pay the, the magazines <laughs> or they pay the websites and right. blah, blah, blah. So the whole point is it's hard to be small because everybody, because you don't cut a break. And then as soon as you get to EA, you don't really actually read EA's reviews, by right, the way. Right. What you do is you read your own and you assume everybody else's are, or you remember the ones that were good. And then when you go, you know, when you go um, inside, you realize it's like people are giving you crap anyway. And you're like, right. well, of course they're going to give us crap because we're so big. And that's what, and it's <laughs> right. like either way you're sort of, <laughs> you're so justifying it is right. literally the same exact grass on both sides right, of, right. of the, the uh, you know, of the fence. Um, and you kind of realize... Same hue of green. Yeah, well, it's slightly <laughs> different. It's like everyone, you know, at a big company has a chip on their shoulder because they think they don't get a fair break because they're so big. Right. And everybody small has a chip on their shoulder because they feel like they're small and they don't get all the big breaks. And the truth is, it's like, look, everybody busts chops. Right, you know, right, that's right. Just, that's like, funny. everybody gets their chops busted at one point or another. So, but there was... Um, you know, you really kind of... The, the trade-off was really you've got this kind of independence to do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you also have this, like, um, you know, lack of security and that, look, if you're wrong with doing the thing you right. want, then what are you going to do about it to where you've got, um, you know, you, you work within a bigger organization where you're more focused on what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can actually, you know, you've got a little bit of uh, security to, to take, believe it or not, yeah. some bigger risks because you're not worried about, like, the, hey, I only get one shot at everything. Well, you have, you, have, um, you know, Orlando, I know, has a, a pretty... Uh, uh, decent sized uh, in, in the indie video game community because mm-hmm. you know they have the Fire over here mm-hmm. and they have full sales so, as video game as well yeah. and and what that creates is 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 uh, bodies right I'm not saying that in a negative way I'm just saying like there are 20 people 20 kids in a class each of them is probably going to build their own video game mm-hmm. 
19 may be terrible. I mean, I won't say terrible, but 19 may not work beyond after they graduate, mm -hmm. but hopefully you got one that sticks around. Now that one needs somewhere to go. And I mean, yeah, so there's a, there's an, there's some depth to the indie, indie game devs around here. There is. Yeah. I think the fact that just where technology is, it just makes it a lot easier. Yeah. For, for, for well, it makes it easier for team, for smaller teams to accomplish more. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of tools available. There's a lot of like Accessible. remote. There's accessibility for a lot of. Uh, well, yeah. And plus there's just a lot of, you know, kind of like remote working tools that mm -hmm. you can use. So it's really, you know, back when, you know, we needed. Back in my day. Yeah. yeah back, <laughs> you know, uh, back when mobile phones were just being invented. Um, <laughs> The, you know, the idea that if you were going to build a game, you needed, you know, minimum 30 people. Right. And they had to be in the same room because you had to, like, have a server there, too. So, you know, right. Everything right. was just, yeah. like, connected. Yeah. And so you had to build a team. And so for us, believe it or not, in the 90s, the hardest thing you can do is try to get somebody in tech to move to New York. <laughs> we were based in Manhattan originally. And, um, and it was, like, impossible to get anybody outside of, like, L.A. to move out of L.A. or San Francisco to come work on games in New York mm -hmm. because New York was just if you wanted to work for a bank. If you wanted to right. program or do anything, you had to work for a bank yeah. or an ad agency or something like that. And so it's funny when I go to New York now and just the, the tech scene even there, you know, it, it wasn't that long ago. It was like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was like just the thought of developing, you know, like games or something in, in New right. York City was just this total alien thing. And so what we had to do is like convince people mm -hmm. to move and we could only get like kids right out of college right. and they were like I sure would love to live in New York and we're like how about New Jersey it's very close <laughs> <laughs> it's like a 30 minute ride, train ride so it's like the benefit of, of New York without the rent right. and, and it was like our, the hardest thing we had was trying to recruit people to, to the New York City area right. you right. know to be in tech and um, it's funny because like when you're in Orlando now you kind of see a lot of sort of similarities about like you're in yeah. an area where there's just you know, the opportunities for people who are here are great, mm -hmm. but it's like, how do you kind of build that scene um, when the draw is going to be to some other place? And that's, that's and you, that, know, you know, I've heard a lot of people kind of discussing that um, just here in the ecosystem around mm -hmm. here about like, how do we keep people here? Because we have UCF number, mm -hmm. like second largest. I think you're right. I think it's how do you keep people. Yeah. I think there are yeah. people, it's how do you keep them. Yeah. I mean, UCF is the second largest school and, and that's not... I mean, they like to boast about that, good for them. But for me, for the startup scene, as far as I'm concerned, that's bodies. Yeah. That, again, like I was saying, like when you have 20 people building a game and one lands, that's good for, for the ecosystem because it adds another game here. But uh, you have thousands of people graduating every, every summer, every winter. Um, if you keep enough of them here, this ecosystem could blow up very quickly. Um, and I think we're seeing that a little bit. I, I, I wouldn't say blow up. But we're, I think we're seeing a lot more people um, are uh, stick, trying to stick around. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work out because of the realities of, of starting a business. It's not easy. Well, it's the realities of starting a business. <clears throat> it's also the reality of, you know, the industries are still localized or yeah. concentrated. Mm -hmm. still, you know, it's still a lot easier to grow a business in New York or San Francisco yeah. or Los yeah. Angeles or, you know, other, other cities. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing is you could start anywhere. And then when it comes time to start growing, once you got once you've gone past your novel idea stage mm -hmm. and really start partnering and working, you know that's where the distance starts to become the issue. It's really yeah. not the people; mm -hmm. it's the you know it's the network. And you know, I when I when I again when I when we started our first company and we were based in New York, we never realized that. Mm -hmm. Like because it was like anybody, you know, anytime you needed to talk to potentially a, a customer or a publisher. You just drove through the Holland right Tunnel there. and there yeah, you were. Right, so, right, right. Um, or sometimes you got on a plane and went to LA, but some, but you know the flights from 
you know, New York to LA, there's like 10 of them a day. Yeah. You well, know, it wasn't well, that what hard. About, I mean, what about today's world of connectivity? Is that helping you think? Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's, it's really, you, you know, at the end of the day, it's like the, that growth cycle in the yeah. company is still like human beings, mm-hmm. like feeling good about other human beings. Right. You right. know, it's still about like, especially if you're growing a business, right? So a lot of it is, comes down to, you hear a lot of investors, you hear a lot of people say, it's like, look, you know, we, we invest in people. Right. Well, yeah. so as soon as they say that, what that means is we need to know you. Mm-hmm. And we need to know you is not something you can do, you know, Over through a Google phone, Hangout yeah. or, yeah. you know, by exchanging emails or anything like right. that. And so, you know, you what you have to do um, if you're not going to be kind of located somewhere is your product just has to speak for itself. Right. It has right. to be the kind of thing that it's like, look, I don't know, like, they seem like nice people, but holy crap, <laughs> this product is so awesome right, that right. we're going to go out of our way to get to know them, even though they're, they're, you know, far away. And I've heard that, like, I've heard that from, from investors that are mm-hmm. just like, look, we, like, we have a territory ring. Right. <laughs> like, right. at certain stages, yeah. at certain stages of companies, it's like, look, we, we, we only really want to, you know, we want to invest in people that we know that we can hang out with, yeah. that we can drop by and that we can get to know and, and this and that. And so I think that's the, you know, you, you always when you think about what's a good place to start a company, there's, where's a good place to start a company? It's a good place to grow a company. Mm-hmm. What's a good place to exit a company? Right, right. <laughs> All of those yeah, kind yeah. of become, and I think, I think, you know, for me, I said we're kind of like in, I had an accidental startup because all we did right. was just avoided work and just continued. <laughs> we just got people to pay us to make games and we did that for, and people were always paying us because our games were good enough. Right, um, right. Until eventually the exit kind of found us and then we then we did that, and, and we happened to have been located in a part of the country that even though I can, you know, gripe about how hard it was to try to get game developers in New York, mm. there was still plenty of there, there was still plenty of opportunity. Yeah. Um, and so I, what I what I never realized was actually growing our business there didn't even occur to me as being an issue mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that because that's where we were. Um, and then exiting, it actually didn't occur to us either because we never, you know, we, we, we always kind of built our, our company at that point just on revenues. So you so. kind of, you kind of uh, um, I, I think, did you like learn each of the stages of business as you went through them? Is that kind of what happened? With the I actually learned them after I was done. Okay. It was, you know, it was like right. I sold the company and said, oh, that's what an exit is. You know, it was right. like after you paid like your legal bills right. and all that, you're like, okay, that's what, that's what right. exiting is like. <laughs> so when did you leave EA? When did that, that happen? Uh, I think 2012. 2012. 2012. And then you started this up a couple, couple. Now you started officially like in May of last year, I think, or something like that. Yeah. But, but yeah. before that you were working on it. I mean, what, what convinced you to try this again? Um, well, was it boredom? <laughs> no, no, hardly. I mean, it was, yeah. you know, I think, I think one thing that, you know, when you do talk to entrepreneurs, the thing that kind of bothers them is they hate to see an opportunity sitting there right? <laughs> that no one's like coming over to talk to. And they're right. just like, no, I'm going to, you know, um, I'm, you know, if, if I don't do it, somebody else will. And then I will be the guy telling everybody I had the idea for this thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's. Every, everyone you know has the right. idea for like, I was going to do Uber, but right, you know, right. for one reason or another, you know, well, I've heard that. that was really I've said idea. that a couple times. Yes. Yeah, so have I. So Facebook? That, that was yeah, mine. Yeah, that was my idea too. Yeah. So, um, and so it's just that whole notion of like, um, you know, it's a combination of like, you know, you, you see opportunity, you can't let it go. Yeah. And then on some level you're delusional and you think it's easy. <laughs> so there's a bit that sort of tells you. You tell like, me, you tell me it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> It's easy when you're done. <laughs> right, it's right. easy when you're done. Um, but the, um, yeah, I mean, so so I think the thing about the stages is that um, 
you know, you kind of, you learn as you go. And yeah. a lot of times for me, at least maybe to me personally, is I, um, I always learn like, you know, in, in reflection, I always kind of look back and I like mm-hmm. to see like the, the conclusion of a phase and be like, okay, here's how it started. Here's right. what the middle was here. Here's how it kind of ended. Right. So that, right. that's, that's how I learned. So, um, so after, uh, the thing with ADA for me was I was there for eight years mm-hmm. About halfway through, there's just a lot of stuff going on in, in the world, or right. in the market. I mean, right. mobile just really, you know, the iPhone came out right. two years after I joined EA. And, right. um, you know, and just kind of like free-to-play games, and then just a lot of that was, was really kind of happening. And you and saw so, something there. Well, you saw the opportunities, and then your instinct is to say, hey, if you're within a big organization, why don't we be intrapreneurial? Mm-hmm. Why don't we just like, you know, launch kind of new things? And so I, I did that um, for a while at EA. I, I left. I went to Zynga. Any projects um, you worked on in, in EA that we would recognize? Well, yeah. I mean, I ran Tiger Woods kind of okay. golf business for a yeah. while. Um, you know, did the first, you know, Madden free-to-play versions. Yeah. Um, and it was really, for me, it was all about like the how do we... Um, how do we take IP and apply it to new business right, models? Right. That was always the exciting part. Um, and then did the same afterwards at Zynga, did the same thing at FanDuel. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason we started this company is that I, I learned... That's a pedigree. You know that, right? <laughs> That's a pretty... Uh, it, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and I think I think the important part with all those is like the, the lesson that I, that I kind of took from that was that it's really hard to do something new within an organization that's really good at doing something else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because, you know, the larger the organization, the more the, the more people there are within that organization whose job it is to execute right. a certain way. Right. And if you come along and say, hey, look, let's just, like, give our stuff away for free. You know? <laughs> let's, like, you know, let's just do all these things because yeah. we think it might be a good business. There's a whole lot of people whose job it is to not do that, right. to do it the way it's being done, because especially within public companies, um, where it's really just about execution. And yeah. I think what I actually learned is entrepreneurship is a bit of a head fake. You know, some, some companies can do it, yeah. you know, and some people can do it. Um, but it's, but what you end up doing a lot of times is you end up trying to convince people to not do their job and do some other thing yeah. that their boss isn't asking them to do what you need them to do. Well, that's crazy. And, I mean, and sorry to interrupt again, but I'm saying like, like, cause it reminds me of, uh, you know, some companies in town like Lockheed Martin, they have their own internal, not, not necessarily R&D, although that's part of it, but they have like some programs of like people mm-hmm. working on their own thing. Um, I was, uh, my last job was in Iowa, which is where Wells Fargo uh, has a really big thing. Wells Fargo had its own little incubator, so to speak, um, it, of like ideas. It's very, it's very rare that yeah. those turn into anything. Yeah, there's right. a lot. There's a lot, like every company I've ever worked at has had like some R&D group, mm-hmm. which was, you know, designed for all kinds of reasons. Um, but seldom was it to like launch the future of the company, right? You right, know, right. and so, and so what you what you look at is you sort of see the market and you say, holy, holy wow, there's these transformative things that can mm-hmm. be done. I generally hate the word disruptive. I like to think transformative because right, right. it's not about breaking things; it's about you know evolving. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's you know, and so to to truly go after those opportunities, what it you know. Um, Myself and then the other founders of our company kind of came to this conclusion of it's like, look, we see these opportunities in the market, and the mm-hmm. only way we're ever going to really be able, be able to truly pursue them is if that's our sole focus. Mm-hmm. And if we're within an organization who that is its sole focus, and that basically says you need to start that organization <laughs> and you need to prove that what your sole focus is 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 warranted of a sole focus, right, right. Um, and then and then you scale and you grow from that, and so. 
the the reality of it is that um, you know if you really want to invent, you got to take a risk. Right. And that risk is just you got to do it without a net. You know, you just got to go out and do it. And if you fail, you got to know how to like recover, right? Um, or just understand that that you were barking up the wrong tree all along. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, what I personally have learned is there's no shortcut to that. Right. There's no like I'm gonna I'm gonna hedge my bet. I'm gonna take chances, but work for somebody who mm-hmm. is still gonna pay me anyway. Right. You know, yeah. because ultimately, um, organizations exist to do the things that they need to. And if you're and if you're going to do something that is different, that's mm-hmm. outside of that, um, it's better to do it externally, where that that you know you can sort of focus on that and not have to um, you know compromise for for the greater good of the bigger organization. Right. Well, let me let me uh, I'm not going to keep it too much longer, but let me ask you one last thing here. I mean, we're talking about um, you know you started a company uh, in the '90s, uh, and how old are you right now? 48. 48. So you're I had to stop and think. <laughs> we always do. It's easy when you're born in 70. Though. Right. You just look at this year. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. Wait, you were born in 70 and you had to think about that? <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. That's why I knew. Oh. <laughs> I got the decades right. I just right. The, yeah. but, but, so you were, uh, so you were like mid-20s when you started your business in the early, in, in the mid-90s, right? Um, now you look at, um, you know, how, what is, um, and this might, this could be a 20 minute answer, honestly, but what is something that, you know, you learned from that experience, even though it was so far back, that you're kind of applying to this as you're trying again to be an entrepreneur, uh, you know, it's twice over now. Um, I'm not quite sure I understand the question, but I want to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> no, so so as a kid, when you when you were starting this, you kind of just winged it and went, went as, as you could, right? Yeah. I mean, but now, have, did you learn any lessons from that first experience that's helping you now? And yeah, well, what you learned from the at the beginning is you got you literally have nothing to lose, mm-hmm. right? You have nothing to lose um, except time. Mm-hmm. And when you're younger, you know you got more of it, frankly, right. and you have right. less responsibilities. And mm-hmm. for me, it was like, look, I started a company with one of my best friends from school, and we both still lived at home. Right. So like. The downside was um, we would have to go get jobs, which is what we would have had to have done in the first place. Right. So when you're younger, I'm like, just go for it. Like, right. You literally have nothing to lose right. um, except time, which you have plenty of. Right. Um, but that said, I think as you know, when, when you do things later, it's not so much that um, the age or anything kind of plays into it, but you sort of realize... You, you, like like early on, you have no idea when things are working or not working. Mm-hmm. You just don't know. You just as like as long as there's a step forward, you take it kind right. of approach, and so you just pursue everything. You go after everything, and the next thing you know, it's everything kind of settles out. As you get older, you kind of have more frames of reference, and then you kind of tend to analyze things a lot more. Right. So as things are moving, you're like, wait, is this right or wrong? And now you're like, you know, you're bringing all your experience to bear, which is good, but at the same time. You know, early on, you don't analyze anything. You're just like, look, <laughs> right. like, can you make money doing this? Yeah, go for it. I mean, right, do it. Right. Where's it going? Who cares? You know? <laughs> Best case, you'll get your own apartment. You right. know, like, <laughs> right. you know? Uh, um, and so I think I think you get a lot smarter. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you get too smart, mm-hmm. and then you, you tend to like like hesitation becomes a part of it. Analyzing like analyzing everything yeah. starts to happen. And I think you know what I would always say is like there's a um, you know, if, if you want to start a business and you're young, you have literally no reason not to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if you want to start a business when you're older, the whole idea is you have to think mm-hmm. like you've got nothing to lose. Right. Because if you're, if, you, if you're trying to protect something and go into business for yourself while trying to protect something, it becomes real hard. Right. You really have to just make a sort of mental commitment to say, look, I'm all in on this. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm going to use all of my experience to kind of help me, you know, to help me stay focused because that was probably... 
That was the point I wanted to make, was that um, we had nothing to lose early on, and we had no direction. Right. We had no idea where we were going. We ended up where we ended up, right. but, I, but we started because we wanted to do like uh, TV commercials, or we wanted to do like Jurassic Park. Right. You know, right, like right. we wanted to do like 3D, <laughs> and we ended up with a game company. Um, I think we did this stuff later. It took 12 years to figure that out. Right. Um, when you do this stuff later, it's like, it's more important to just be focused, because you can't like wander the wilderness for right. as long just trying to figure stuff out. Right. Um, which is, I think, you know, so with our current company, we kind of came into it with a very, you know, with an opportunity in mind and we kind of worked it backwards and we said, look, media is evolving, mm -hmm. media is becoming more interactive. How do we kind of, you know, gamify live sports? How do we make fans feel like they're participants, not spectators? And we kind of had, we had that focus. We, we created the company and funded the company and, you know, recruited all on this concept of like, there's an opportunity in the market that we're going to go pursue. Um, we didn't do it that way the right. first time. First time it was like, hey, John, you know, I just got 3D Studio. Look what we can do. You know, like, <laughs> right. so. and, you know it's funny because there's a conversation there too about timing of the market. Right now, like what you're talking about, that's just happening though. So, um, but we're going to cut it off there though. Okay. I do want to appreciate, tell you, I appreciate you coming by. Um, Mike, of hype sports, not hip sports. You call it hips. I'll call it hip sports. But everyone else calls it hype I sports. I will too, but, um, <laughs> but I'm going to learn not to. All right. uh, thanks so much for being here. And for everyone, uh, all of you listening, thanks so much. And we will uh, talk to you again next week. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for having me.